listening to Pick Hard Talk exclusively on the Pod Station. Welcome, listeners, to a special episode of Picard. <laughs> to a special episode of Picard Talk. This week, we'll be discussing the season in full, and once again, the two marks are delivering an irreverent review, providing you lively debate, conversation, and social commentary. Follow us into the briar patch of discussion. Is this Picard, or not as we know it? Can we kick it? Yes, we can. We have our returning guest from episode seven, Ben, and episode eight, Matt. Welcome. Hi. Hi. Hiya. <laughs> I'm Mark Latham, and I'm joined with my friend and co-host, Mr. Mark Pollard. How are you doing? Yeah, just for the benefits of really fucking up your editing i'm just gonna say that obviously the patar introduction i quite liked you should leave that in you know that's klingon isn't it um yes that's that was what i was going with and i think you are one i like to cling on especially when i'm being dragged down the street with someone's leg don't leave me Uh-huh. Interestingly, I was out yesterday at eight o'clock and I was very excited because everybody was clapping me. But then I realised it wasn't for me. It was for the frontline workers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so dear. In case you hadn't guessed, we're all social distancing because apparently the world's gone to shit outside. So we figured it'd be better to remain safe inside of our four walls. Although we say four walls, we're actually in a whole world of different things because we're doing this via Zoom. Who aren't a sponsor, are they, Latham? On that basis, if you want to be a sponsor, it's Talk at the podstation.co.uk. Zoom. Some of us, while I was trying to arse around with the sound and figure out why it was I couldn't hear anybody, we've all, apart from Matt of course, have managed to get ourselves some funky backdrops. Ben, how are you doing mate? What's your backdrop going on about? Where are you? It was the spaciest themed Zoom backdrop I could find. <laughs> up in space I think it's the earth behind me like, very yeah. good and Matt what's your backdrop an avocado <laughs> an avocado <laughs> well I'm on the bridge of the Enterprise D you can see there I'm sort of positioned technically sat on the floor between Data and Geordie I think it's like it's sat on Picard's knee <laughs> well there's worse places to sit isn't there Ben there's better places to sit isn't there <laughs> I don't know, he's a he's a fine-looking fettel of a man at, the, at his age, particularly. They say bald men as well, a bit more virile. Two, yeah. two of them present today. One there, yeah, and Latham's hiding his under his cap, so I think we've established we're all quite virile human beings there. I've glued, I've, I've glued a wig to my cap, so it doesn't look like I'm bald. And Latham, I'm going to do a screenshot of this, because Latham seems to have got himself a whole world of toilet paper as a backdrop, which also is quite amusing. The thing you need to ask yourself, if you need 144 rolls of toilet roll you seriously need to see a doctor before COVID-19 happened <laughs> seeing as it doesn't cause you to get the shits so if you've gone out and bought 144 toilet rolls you dickhead okay. <laughs> you need to see a doctor in fact a consultant rectal examiner because you're seriously in need Free every Tuesday a- <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay I watch your Tinder name <laughs> You're on Tinder, are you? Is it Grinder? Grinder, yeah. Grinder. Yeah. I knew it was one. I'm too old for the uh, online dating stuff. I think it ages that kind of thing. I think it's just a particular persuasion of sexual interest. <laughs> oh, is that, again, completely yeah. clueless. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we should actually get on to talking about some treks, seeing as though that's what we're here for. Um, how are we all doing in terms of withdrawals? Because at the time of doing this, it's two weeks since the final episode of season one came out. Ben, have you started rattling for Trek? Matt, have you started your way through the Next Generation box set? And Latham, well, you're probably just business as usual with recapping through Star Trek as norm. So we'll start with you, Ben. How are you cracking on? I can't wait for the next Trek thing. I mean, I was looking at the disco uh, little teaser that came out, but 
again, not sure when that's coming, but I think we've been spoiled. Um, I might actually read the prequel book, which you've been banging on about. Might be, might be time. I haven't mentioned the fact that I've read that one. You can get it in the audio version as well. I have to say that's an a lot easier way of digesting it. Uh, Matt, how are you doing? You're not normally or haven't historically been a hardcore Trekkie. Are you just like, yep, I've moved on to my next series. Are you desperately seeking out for your next fix? Well, I, I went back um shock horror, watched the J.J. Abrams original one, and uh, there were who the Romulans were in it. And I remember when I came on the last time, I said I had no clue who the Romulans are. So I realised I just got to stop drinking when I watch Star Trek movies. <laughs> I did manage to put one episode on of Next Gen, but again, I fell asleep because I had been drinking. So I think maybe now this is the time for uh, watching Next Gen. Now I've got bags and bags of it. <laughs> no alcohol. No alcohol. <laughs> That's a lie. <laughs> That's piss, mate. <laughs> it is. It's from Aldi. It's all the. <laughs> <laughs> Who aren't a sponsor, but if they'd like to be. <laughs> so has anyone actually dared to re-watch Picard, the series, in a binge form as opposed to episode by episode yet? No, not yet. All oh, right, no. well done, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> at, least we, at least we've done our homework for this exercise. I mean, for full disclosure purposes, I did remember that that was probably a good idea before doing this show and promptly set about at about 10 o'clock this morning to try and watch some episodes. Of course, it doesn't take a mathematical genius to realise that there wasn't enough hours between 10am and 2pm to watch over 10 hours worth of shows. So I think I got halfway through episode four, had slightly started to lose my attention a little bit and then had to bail to come do this. So let's pretend we've all all watched it, eh? I did watch their part two this morning before I came on here, so... Oh, had you not seen it before? Oh, no, I had. I just re-watched it because, again, I'd been drinking the first time I watched <laughs> it, so... <laughs> It's like an AA Anonymous, this. <laughs> Shall we find out what the Twitter poll was for what people thought of season one? Yes, please. Well, well seeing as you're controlling this, as no one's seen anything that you've planned to do, then lead on. So again, wanna... full disclosure, much the same as my uh, research plan, so too was my script slightly non-existent. <laughs> we are running this slightly unplanned. Hailing frequencies open. So we asked, based on the final episode, how they felt about A, how it finished, and season one and how excited they were for season two. 54% were super mega excited and wanted them to pass season two now. 20% said they wanted an explanation because they were left feeling slightly bemused and confused by the ending to season one. 13% went Dr. Gerati's tissues. I might need some of that ale, Matt. So 13% thought it was a bit of a, a weepy one and 13% thought it was shit, <laughs> for want of a better <laughs> phrase. It wasn't a resounding let's move on to season two but it was definitely positive the two more positive options were definitely the preferences for people what did you think of season one ben i enjoyed it i enjoyed it more whilst i was watching it and now i reflect on it there's things i didn't like as much the ending you know i know we're not talking specifically about the last episode but it, looking back it was a bit twee i'm glad they didn't do a doctor who and book picard in another body or something like that which was a big worry of mine that they were going to do and there's a bit of a switcheroo was going to happen but they didn't but you know what i enjoyed it was, it was fantastic to see Riker, Troy, that data send off. I was crying, you know, I'm sure you guys were. So yeah, I enjoyed it all in all. Eight out of ten. Wow. And Matt, what did you think of season one? I thought it was really good. I am very excited for the next instalment. I thought it was quite fast paced and a bit a bit blocky at times, you know, with storyline. Uh, when I was when I was rewatching the episode today, I kind of remember back to the way Bones structure their episodes. They have like a, 
over arc and then they do mini ones in between sometimes just as an episode on its own you know that has no relevance to the story so i'd like to see maybe more of that in the next one they normally do do stuff like that but they didn't give them enough time did they with the just the 10 episodes well that's what we were saying the next gen was very much a kind of capsule episodes plus a bit of continuity you know cue and whatnot between episodes the borg and whatnot i was looking back at you i thought this felt a bit more like a kind of firefly i, I don't know if you guys are firefly fans or not but that kind of roguish uh lovable misfits they're all part of a crew and that, that's how i kind of felt about it in the end what do you think lay them yeah <laughs> <laughs> i just thought i'd try on the pollard thing it's a bit shit in it i'll carry on talking properly um i didn't get into firefly but i know exactly what it's talking about because it has been replicated a few times in sci-fi with other similar shows of it till i gave it eight out of ten i think if memory serves which incidentally is the name of an episode. Was that season uh, or the episode? Because I, I remember uh, the yeah. last episode you gave it 10 out of 10, didn't you? That was part one, I gave it 8. I gave it 10 out of 10, yeah, I did. Yeah, I would agree with Ben that I'm glad they didn't go down the route of Doctor Who. It did seem like that was the route it was going to go at the end, but I would have personally stopped watching if they had. So I'm glad in a way that they kept the integrity and structure of Picard. What would you have given the last episode out of 10, Matt? I really liked the last episode. Um, yeah, I'd go for about eight. Yeah, eight. It wasn't did the you? best, but it was really good. And what about did you, you think Ben? It, the last episode, seven. Okay. I know that's a bit low, and I did. I loved a lot about it, but I felt they shit the bed a bit in terms of kind of morality questions. You know, we were talking about some pretty deep ethical and moral questions through the series that were posed and I think I thought I think you thought probably that they were going to come to a head at the end um, with a real big question or problem for Picard to make a choice and it just felt a bit like oh, it's happened and like Data wanted a send off which is great but it didn't have that big impact was it spoiled slightly by the fact that we knew season 2 was already scheduled and it would have been a pretty ridiculous Star Trek Picard series if Star Trek Picard's Captain Picard had died I thought that that was going to be a bit of a PR on the whole inviting Guinan on and all that it's like we're all anticipating it's going to be our Jean-Luc but then we saw the the golem or whatever you want to call it you know they put him in and thought oh shit it's going to be a Doctor Who moment and I thought was, they were purposely trying to set up a, the switch route to confuse the viewers or give that moment a surprise but as I said I'm glad they didn't but it, I don't think it ruined it for me More it comes back as a it. woman so Picard's going to be female in season 2 yeah. and then we'll all, we'll all stop watching again they can change whatever they want can't they because he managed to change all the settings of his golem so that he was still old and he was still going to die and he was still going to die pretty soon all of the benefits of being put into a robot body kind of got missed. And to be perfectly frank, I'd have been a bit hacked off if someone had walked me up and gone, don't worry, we've saved you and we've downloaded you into a robot. Oh, but by the way, all the benefits you get from being inside of a robot, yeah, we, we decided we'd scrap them. What they didn't realise is they've got the discount golem and it's got breasts. <laughs> <laughs> we see that, but that, that. that'd be a benefit one <laughs> i'd never get anything done i would just be just playing around i found a couple of comments from uh, some of our listeners on what they thought of the ending so canaffle dax she said i thought it was all fan service and little substance i didn't feel led into this journey with the characters i felt pulled against my will like a black hole it felt rushed with too many loose endings we'll be re-watching the whole season to see if it holds up again on repeat watching quite fair points there That's I mean, Space Orchid, then I'm not, I'm never going to be behind that. What was that about? Yeah, I'm not, not into that. I mean, I'm all for the synthetics and that, but big flowers. <laughs> 
But looking at Mark's shirt, he wouldn't mind a big flower. <laughs> Thank you. Never ever skip my suit again, my friend. Will you come on, looking like Magnum PI. Never skip my suit. In fact, you do look like Magnum PI, but with the beard. Now, I'm, I'm not going to read out the whole of this because Phoenix also commented he or she did like one, two, three, four, five connecting posts. You'll see quickly why it is. I won't read all of it out. It starts with my problem with Picard. The Picard ending is the totally outmoded and frankly insulting idea is about death, specifically that human life cannot be meaningful without morality. It is like the simplistic view that one cannot know beauty without experiencing ugliness. The butterfly knows, yeah, it goes on. Can a child not look upon a butterfly? In fact, yeah, and it goes on like that. I mean, suffice to say that we did reply by saying, wow, that's deep. I think he thought we're a more intelligent show than we actually are. So thank you very much for those comments. I'm sorry I'm not going to read them all out, but life's a touch too short, I think. Did you not just reply with a monosyllabic answer? <laughs> well, I did. I said, wow, that's deep. And that's, uh... Was that your word quota for the day? Yeah, it was. It. That was it. There's limited characters on Twitter for a reason, isn't there? But thank you very much for your comment. My apologies for, for making light of your efforts. We should really then dig deep into uh, season one and a few more of the specifics of what we thought. Two marks, deep delve. First of me questions that pops into my head, because of course I don't have a script, was did we think this season is better binge watched or watched as it was, as in on a, an individual basis seeing as though none of you have bothered your ass to actually rewatch it in a binge format how's about we hypothetically address that question <laughs> lay them what do you think about whether or not it'd be better binged I didn't need to watch it again to know whether it was binge worthy so it's definitely binge worthy I tend to watch shows if they're delivered weekly and wait till I get a few and then watch them together or I will binge an entire season if it's been uploaded as one complete package. So Do you think the quality of the season would be better? Will you enjoy it more because you can binge it? If that had been released in one go, I would have certainly watched them back to back in an evening because I'm an insomniac, as you know. And would you have enjoyed it more? That's the, that's the difficulty. I can't I can't qualify that answer because I didn't. But I would have watched it. What it would have done. <laughs> He's like a I'm politician, saying. isn't he? You keep asking him the same question. He keeps on not answering the question. I could lie to you or I could tell you the truth. I didn't binge watch it, but... I would have binge watched it. It would have given me any more value. I would have got the answers to questions quicker. I would have got the answer in one night and it took me 10 weeks. Okay, well, let me put this question a different way then. Did you enjoy the fact that each week you got an episode and you had an opportunity to digest and dissect each episode? Would we have not missed out on that opportunity if they'd have just given us them all in one foul swoop? Yes and no. (laughs) Fucking hell. Ben, help me out here. What do you think? I liked it. I mean, we're used to binging things now and I, I binge things as much as the next person you know, I think is it Money Heist where it is on Netflix where every episode is a bloody cliffhanger so you want to watch the next one and the next one and the next one you end up not sleeping at all but I enjoyed it being episodic great for you guys doing your podcast um, it's something to look forward to it wasn't wasn't written in a way where you're left hanging at the end of an episode you feel pretty content with what's happened it was it was quite yeah it was nice it was a nice way to watch things where we're used to binging I think what about you Matt you're a younger generation you're used to having it all when you want if you want how you want well yeah I, I love binge watching stuff and uh, the way they did this weekly um, I just think it served to create a buzz about each episode even if you didn't like it you were still talking about it people were getting together doing podcasts you're online you're constantly thinking about what's coming next you might rush out and buy the book maybe they did it to sell the book or maybe they did it just because if we binge watch all in one go it might just be all right but if they go oh the next episode could be a lot better and then because i thought episodes were quite high then low high then low but if we're talking about it in the week it's generating that buzz isn't it yeah i mean on the basis i've watched 
four and a half episodes in a binge format, I'm going to consider myself to be the most qualified to answer this question. <laughs> um, I, I don't think it's added anything to being able to watch it all back to back. I don't think you lose out on any of the storylines particularly. And like Matt says, I, I've enjoyed the fact that they've forced me to have to. It's a bit like when you were a kid and you had a bag of sweets and your mum only let you have a few and then put them away. At the time, you're kicking and screaming, holy shit, because you want that full bag of sweets. But in about four hours time, when she pulls the bag out and gives you some more, you're thinking, oh, well, I'm really glad I didn't eat all my sweets there and then because mm. you're, you're savouring them and, and being able to make the most of it. So I think that's probably my position on it. Do we think they got a right balance between new Trek and nostalgia then? Let's start with you, yeah. Mark. Yeah, I would agree with the comments that have been made before that they did do a lot of fan service. But I did mention that in one of the podcasts that they need to be careful that they don't use legacy as a springboard for this series. Bear in mind that it's a total different nuance and tonality to Star Trek Discovery and also because of the fact you've got the historical background to the character. I don't think if the show was called Guinan, for example, it would have the same following. I mean, Paul Matt wouldn't have a bloody clue what was going on. Well, <laughs> no. I'll get, I'm going to say, did you feel you missed out on a lot of this season because there was nostalgic tropes dropped in quite frequently, actually? Yeah, no, d- d- didn't even notice. Oh, well, that's didn't, not... Just passed me by, so I was able to enjoy it. But I knew it was going on. Yeah, most of it glossed, glossed over me. Ben, I think you... it worked. I mean, I think I said to you, Mark, Pollard, um, that actually when Hugh first came on the screen, I didn't twig, to be honest, that it was Hugh from Next Gen. Uh, you know, it took me an episode to twig that, which is pretty mad as a big fan. So I think it, that shows it does stand up. Did you feel from time to time they used nostalgia to pull it out of the shit? There was occasionally times where the story was either wandering off down a dark alley or it lost a bit of its rhythm. Or in some cases, some of the characters like Picard had actually become really dislikable and they used these nostalgic callbacks to just pull it back in and get you back invested. Yeah, I think there's definitely a bit of that. I mean, I still wonder why the Borg were really necessary. I mean, I, the Borg were brilliant as a, as a character or characters. But actually, when you look back at the season, what, what did the Borg really do? You know, they, they were there to bring Jerry Ryan into it, 79, bring Q back and to call back to First Contact and the next gen when Locutus was around. But actually, that was just fan service, isn't it? Having the Borg in there. They weren't the big bad. They didn't do much. I think that um, the only, um, not the only reason, but like one of the main reasons is the Borg hole. I think that might have just been like, how can we get these people <laughs> from here to here really quick or let's bring the Borg back or let's write them in for fan service as well and nobody Mm. should be playing with the Borg's hole really What do you think, Latham? Well, you know I like the Borg, don't you? I think the only disservice was that they were underused in this season. As Ben quite rightly said, you know, you've got Seven of Nine, you've got Hugh, you've got Picard post Locutus from the episodes Best of Both Worlds. And these characters have got connective tissue to canon. And in addition to that, they all have fantastic stories to tell. And I did feel at times that the season didn't fully represent them properly and were throwing away story gold. However, what I also need to look is, you know, wider thinking which is do the writers of the show put this in place on purpose so we've got a lot more things to come or we've got stories that we can develop without ruining everything in one go we don't know do we so the borg having been established across all the track are the connective tissue that brings all these characters and the plot for the listeners you know why not visit episode 10 last week's episode where i gave a full breakdown of my theory of how the borg sit into the season and in the wider context of the storytelling that to come so noting the spoilers ahead just to give a brief explanation what i said in last week's episode was i felt that we saw the octopus type 
machine that was the probe sent from Star Trek Discovery, uh, which was essentially the protoborg, arguably known as Control, which was what was used by Section 31. And I felt that this was what we saw in Picard, which then would provide the connectivity to the two seasons. And as we're in Season 3, Discovery in the future, would that be because Control has completely wiped out humanity and Starfleet? So it does seem, on first view, that the Borg don't really have any value in this season, but due to maybe creative writing or the way it fits in canically, that they actually do impact how things develop, and we're probably going to see that in the future. And also noting that the Borg are one of the few species that have been established across the entire Star Trek canon, and one of the few species to transition from TV to film. So I think that based on what I've just said, that the Borg have been woven into this elaborate tapestry of Trek. So my feeling is the way they've been written into the series is they are given the impression that they have no value in the story, but they'll creep up behind you and take you from behind, Matt. (laughs) (laughs) Whilst you've been talking, I've been avidly coming up with some questions, so I thought I'd start with going around and asking who everybody's favourite character was that came to the fore in this particular season. I'm going to exclude Picard from this because, of course, we all love Picard, and particularly people familiar with the next gen would always go for Picard as the go-to. It can be a new one, it can be an old character or someone we're more familiar with, but someone who you thought particularly smashed it out of the park for this season so i'm going to go anti-clockwise as i can see the screen so i'm going to start with you ben who who was your star man or woman or in rios and his balls his ball <laughs> skills a bit of a man crush on him with his holograms fantastic yeah great lovable rogue just what we wanted were you worried that he was going to become a bit of a say a tropey uh rugged backstreet pilot <laughs> Uh, no that's not afraid I've just realised that I'm trying you know sort of a hand (laughs) (laughs) that's just dawned on me I'm a backstreet pirate don't we Matt I meant several (laughs) I meant I meant you know like a Han Solo type person when we first met him with the piece of shard in his shoulder Mm. my first thought was oh Christ alive it's just another clone of Han Solo it is but I think yeah there was more to him that got shown with his backstory which was all a bit forced I get that but I, I I liked all the holograms as well. I don't know why I ended up with Girati. He's got poor taste. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I still liked him. Yeah, he's, he's a lovable rogue, isn't he? He likes him needy, I think. Oh, with a um. whingy face. <laughs> you know my feelings. He has got some cracking ball skills, though. Uh, what about you, Matt? <laughs> Who particularly um, floated your boat? Well, luckily, um, while Ben was talking, I managed to Google the character's name because I've forgotten. He's uh, Narek. <laughs> 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 um, not not only because he was quite sexy and British, um, I also thought he was the most true to his character because you had um, whoa, what's I've forgotten her bloody name as well now. The Narissa, the AI, AI oh, girl. I like the Rissa. Suri, is it Suri? Yeah. Daj. Suri, is that the one? Soji. 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 So Soji was about to kill Picard and the whole of humanity, and then Picard was like, "Well, I'm going to sacrifice my life for you," and that sort of. She went, "Oh, okay, then I won't do it. Are you going to kill him anyway?" But at least. Uh, Norik, he was just out on his mission. Even when he fell in love with um, Soji, he's still going out of his way to 
uh, stop everything that was going on. Even though, like, as we discussed when I was on, it might have been a bad thing what they were doing, but also they might be the baddies. Yeah, I just thought he, he had a really good character. Did he lose his way a little bit as a character? Because he sort of started out as an apparently more important role than he actually finished. He barely had any hand to play in the final episode. He came up with like the world's shittiest plan for how they were going to try and stop the massive Jenga uh, <laughs> special effect thing that Soji was playing to get the big beam thing from opening up the portal thing. But he didn't really play any part beyond that and I'm still not quite certain what his role was because they didn't really explain why he was part of the shit vag. They didn't really explain what his motive was. It, his sister was part of it but she'd seen the vision so we kind of understood why she was on board. He didn't really seem to have any of that background. Did, did you feel that they did him justice if you if you thought he was your favourite character? No, he kind of um, blended in in the last episode, didn't he? Yeah. Um, as soon as they put the, the bomb inside the ceramic thing, or was it inside the football? It was inside the football, it, whatever it was, football. it was shit. Well, I just remember hearing the word ceramic and going, ooh, ceramic, saving the planet. <laughs> uh, um, that's because I'm a potter. <laughs> but, um, potter, no. Um, <laughs> he just fell flat, didn't he, at the end? Is he, is he, I was I listening to your podcast last week, where is he now? Is he still there? Is we don't know, they don't explain, do they, at all? Yeah. We've got no idea where he, he is. I think he's opened up a... Um, a dog hole. A, a, cheese, a cheese store. <laughs> A cheese store. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just organic shop by the board cube, just pop in. I think I did read, I'm sure the writers commented saying that there's something on the cutting room floor that explained where he ended up, but it was just bad editing. He said hands up. It was terrible yeah, time. Yeah, I think this is something we covered when you were on last, Ben, which is we have 10 episodes, but you're going to com- compromise storytelling and run out of time. Who was your favourite character then, Latham? Well, I'm not going to include data, that data. <laughs> I would have gone Narissa. Leather trousers. <laughs> oh, well, he said that, not me. <laughs> Wipe and Go, which is a hair product I used. Quite liked her character. I think another character that was underused, I would have liked to see a lot more of her. Just in general, really, not particularly in the show. But if you know if you're out there want to give us a call. I would have liked to see more of their uh, Lannister connection going on. <laughs> nice. <laughs> seven and nine, quite like seven and nine. She was your MVP yeah. for this season. Yeah, I think so. Once again, her story wasn't as strong as it could have been. I think there's going to be a common thread in these discussions of characters that we loved that we felt that were underused and then it just looked like they moved on through the characters quite quickly killing one off someone got pushed over a balcony somebody was stabbed somebody was shot and then it's like right we can focus now on the final episode which is just huge triffids in space uh, a pile of ships that look the same one of them goes oh remember the Algonon Treaty okay yeah thanks very much bye and that's it even in the last Star Wars film they regurgitated the Rogue One Star Destroyer but then somebody decided to put a massive big gun on it so it didn't look the same. But clearly, with this armada of ships, it couldn't be bothered. Okay, well, I'm going to pick two because I asked the question, so I can. I'm going to go for a new character and an old character because I thought, as an old existing character, as an MVP, William T. Riker absolutely smashed out of the park every time he came on that screen. He was in one episode, and then he came on for the briefest of moments at the end of episode 10. And on both occasions, I felt like I was a, a young teenager again. He sorted Picard out didn't he got him back on his straight and narrow and then he came to the rescue and bailed him out when it looked like he was going to get his ass kicked so you've got to give it to Will for that in terms of new characters I'm going to give it to Raffi because I thought Raffi was just wicked when she first appeared on the screen again I kind of fell into that same trap as I did with Rios just assuming she was going to become a normal she's that twisted bad drug addict alcoholic waste of space who at some point will do something really bad and betray them all and then sacrifice herself at the end to 
make good. Um, thankfully, obviously during the course of the season, I mentioned that I read the prequel book. Yeah, yeah, I have. Uh, it gave me a wonderful insight into Raffi, how she was before this season started as a character. And actually, once I knew that, I could see there was an awful lot more substance to it. And the I thought the the actress who played Raffi did an amazing job. Oh, Matt's shaking his head. You can clap, you know. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. Cla- that's clapping in death. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want it to get in the recording. <laughs> that's, a, that's okay. I'm, I'm always no. happy to hear people clapping me. I, I agree. I'm excited for Rafi's character next season. Um, I, I hope they go a bit more down her like bisexual roots as well. Well, that was interesting. You see, I didn't pick that up the first time round, and then somebody. I th- I'll have to have a look. I think it might have been Kai Fox on Twitter. She asked, she was like, I really hope they give some substance to that that apparent relationship because I didn't even notice it. It was that fleeting. They, they barely met. They barely know each other. They've had zero time to build some sort of romantic relationship. And the short time they had at that last moment simply entailed the mourning the death of Picard. So I didn't really know where they managed to fit in the blossoming of a, of a relationship, really. I just assumed they were consoling each other. But yeah. It, it, seven of nine, is it? This is well, seven, of nine, seven and Raffi's at the end were holding hands, weren't they, on the ship? Do you know that Seven wanted to have her character be bisexual in Voyager, and it wasn't something that was considered to be pushed at the time? Was it Chakotay well, she had a thing with? Yeah, but she went off him like everybody else does. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there was Chakotay and there was Ensign Kim, because there was that running theme throughout Voyager that Ensign Kim always fell in love with unobtainable women, Seven of Nine being the latest one. I think previously he'd fallen in love with a holographic character from one of the holosuites or holodecks. It was Jerry Ryan who was actually pushing for her character in Voyager to be bisexual uh, for the LGBT community at the time. I know there's a lot more letters that come after that now. However, let's not forget we're not breaking new ground here. As much as we like to raise attention to the plight of marked identity groups, Jadzia Dax on Deep Space Nine, her character, broached the issue of bisexuality and other interspecies relationships many, many times on Deep Space Nine. Her character singularly opened the door for that conversation to be had in the 90s. This isn't anything that we should be surprised by. We should actually, in fact, as Mark said, he didn't even notice it. And that's perfectly fine. It shouldn't be noticed. It should be as we watch something and enjoy it in its entirety without going, oh, I'm glad they mentioned that. Well, mm. did anybody notice when Raffi rang Starfleet and she managed to get quite high up and she was then, then the, the lady hangs up the phone and says, don't contact me again. That's her ex-girlfriend, clearly. Possibly <laughs> in the book, she's married to a guy right. and has a son to him. She may be by. Uh, there is a suggestion that in this time in the universe, there is no particular distinction between. You know, there's relationships in all kinds of ways and aliens and things. So it's perhaps we're looking at slightly more polar in terms of the types of relationships they're in. However, there is definitely a suggestion that either Rafi and or Seven were pretty fast, smooth operators to have got from nearly dying on a planet to uh, being a bit smoochy, smoochy in like under 24 hours. Bearing in mind that one of their close and de- nearest and dearest had died in the meantime and they, but whilst they were getting over that I don't know what they got drunk and jumped into bed with one another I mean that that's kind of the impression that I got when eventually it dawned on me that there might be a relationship or a romance there gotta be very careful with these topics because you often rush them into a storyline you're not allowing enough time for it to be unpacked properly and in fact it's something I mentioned in our other recent podcast a film policy which will be uploaded very shortly is that certain programs lend itself nicely to tackling topical issues whether it be domestic violence or drug addiction or sexual harassment or sex trafficking all these things or even anything to do with the gender politics that we seem to find that's going on at the moment there are a lot of programs that are procedural and give credence to those topics being handled a bit more sensitively 
uh, without just feeling like it has to be pandering or tokenism to a show just to go it's okay we've ticked that box now and I don't think that's fair I think you can deliver that kind of subject matter in a respectful way that doesn't feel like you're just pandering or that's tokenism and to frame this properly what you need to consider is that we are providing a story of a topic that at the moment in 2020 for some people is still a massive issue the bigotry that exists however star trek is in the 24th century where none of this exists there are there is no bigotry there's no hunger there's no war there's no famine there's no one struggling what i would like to hope equity not equality because equality is the opposite of what people really really want as such this is just everyday life nobody is struggling to be heard no one's fighting as a marked identity group to be feeling that they are underrepresented and there's not enough diversity it doesn't care because it is in the future that you have to be very careful when you are going to address topics like this you know not losing the vision of Gene Rodenberry but in fact be very careful on how you handle these topics because it can look like it's rushed that's not how it should be would we have been happier then if, if there hadn't have been that I'm hesitant to call it a cliffhanger because I don't think it was because it seems that Seven of Nine and Raffi are both going to be part of the crew for season two so would it not have been more interesting for them to have built a relationship or even started season Season two, having built that relationship and being together, rather than them throwing it sort of sandwiched in in this sort of way. Seems I feel bit... like they they might have just put it in there to do what we said when they did the episodes week by week. It's keeping us talking. It's keeping us hopeful. It's given like the queer audience who are watching just that little nugget. It's called queer baiting mainly. <laughs> um, <laughs> going, oh, come back for the next season because this might happen. Can you still say that queer baiting? I can. You can't. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Looking for a great marketing opportunity? Why not become a commercial partner of the Pod Station? With podcasts being one of the fastest growing entertainment mediums in the world. Get your brand noticed by a wider global audience. Check out the full range of packages at thepodstation.co.uk forward slash station dash packages or email sponsor at thepodstation.co.uk for more details. On the basis we've touched on our favourite characters, what about favourite moments? What particularly sparked our interest during the course of season one, Ben? Uh, best moment of the series was when Riker said, shields up and he's in his old wood cabin. That was fantastic. That yeah. was the best moment for me. Um, other than that, the be- other best moment for me was when Picard when first went back to the cube and he looked like he was kind of going a bit mad and having flashbacks, PTSD, almost fell off the, uh, the edge and Hugh saved him. I thought that was great. Okay, that was good. I like that. Mm. What about you, Matt? Um, my was in the first episode when uh, she gets activated and doesn't know what's going on and kills everybody and I was like whoa what is going on here like who are these people what's happening it was a very exciting moment lay them yeah I think it was the Larissa fight scenes when she was going around kicking ass and just shooting the XBs all over the Borg ship it was a moment where we got a bit more to see her ruthlessness and clearly the training that she's got you know, there's going to be a distinction between Romulan training Telshiar training and then being part of this cabal of the Shatvaj to give you the distinction that she's actually a higher level trained operative when she was doing the, the kick-ass stuff thought that was quite good the mud wrestling between seven of nine and the wrestling oh no that, that was a bit <laughs> contrived really and let's be honest about it she's there for eye candy the reason why seven of nine spent most of her time on voyager in a cat suit much the same as matt was referring to earlier with regards to the thing i'm not allowed to repeat um, <laughs> maybe we should do an episode where i give mark a kiss and then it's acceptable then <laughs> In my eyes, that'll never be acceptable, I'm afraid, Mike. <laughs> I'm well, not getting kissed by you. Be acceptable. 
we didn't really get to see Nerissa full on nasty we got to see her in small short bursts which were mostly awkward brother sibling sexual tension shots not sure whether they played to her character and all of the training that she's had within the the structure of the Shatvaj so again another character wasted what if because she died in the Borg Cube the Borg Cube might assimilate her I don't know whether she's dead you know we know uh, historically and particularly accurately that someone apparently dying and falling off into an abyss down a uh, a seemingly bottomless shaft. pit shaft doesn't necessarily mean you're going to die look at Star Wars <laughs> I think that's that's done it twice now hasn't it and uh, mm. successfully managed to bring the people back so yeah th- there is a possibility I would have gone with the Riker one because anything with Riker in has been mega in this 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 season but um, to, to change it up bearing in mind Ben's already pinched one of mine um, I'd go with the vault in season one when Picard goes into the Starfleet vault and there's all those things in there yeah the next gen fans were instantly going oh my god it's the Picard day banner and there's Worf's uh, Batleth and you're looking around identifying all of the stuff that was just the norm in the series and bearing in mind it was season one as well and he'd already been starved of any form of Star Trek for for 20 years of that type he was just like <laughs> it was just like heroin to a, a smackhead <laughs> I'm not sure that's the right phrase I should have used, but I can't think of another analogy. It's it's like I don't know <laughs> something to somebody who desperately enjoys it. <laughs> Sweets to a kid, isn't it? It's like oh, if you're a smackhead and you're listening to this show, um, don't die shooting up while you're listening to this. But if you want to sponsor the show, give them a shout. <laughs> if you got if you got some spare money, don't get some uh, beak. Come and give us a. Give us a or the cartel who supplies it. Yeah, what are they they've doing? got loads of money. Them. What about our worst characters who really, really either irked us or just never touched, never, never got, never got any time of any kind of love? What about what? Sorry, Ben. Dry, 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 uh, crying face. That's it. Ugh. Oh my! It's probably going to be unanimous, isn't it? We're going to end up having everybody say the same character. Well, let's check, Matt. Who was your worst character? Golden Siri, because she was just so flippant and shit. She's like, oh yeah, I just get bad. Oh, I let him out. Oh yeah. Just and then she's dead. <laughs> uh, sexy Soji, yeah. So Soji, why do I keep saying Suri? Well, no, it was. Well, no. Who is, who is Suri? It's all right. I don't know if you, I don't know if you, I don't know if you've noticed, Matt. We we give little reverence to using people's <laughs> proper names in this show. So you stick with Golden Siri. I like that one. But yeah, she she was pretty shit. Gerati for you, later. It's Gerati for me all day long. I don't care yeah, that Ben yeah. said it before. Yeah. She just cried. I mean, she must. That actress must have had such a sore throat by the end of that season. What? <laughs> Explain that. Well, when you cry, it gives you a sore throat, doesn't it? Bingo. <laughs> I don't know what you're doing. What are you doing while you're crying? Are you crying because you're being sexually assaulted? <laughs> well, why, anyway. Why are you crying with a sore throat? Like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> oh, well, do you know what? Uh, yes, I didn't like her. crying wrong. <laughs> and do you know the best? Tears of joy. Maybe that's why your mascara is running. You're going, oh. <laughs> well, sexually assaulted. The worst part about all this is that our best hopes that she would end up sacrificing herself to make good on the fact that she's a cold-blooded murderer it didn't come true, and it now appears she's actually going to end up in season two as part of the crew. Lo- loosely moral, aren't they? <laughs> It's the future. <laughs> well, Picard did. Uh, Mark and I mentioned this in the last step. Was it the last episode? Or the episode before 
where we pointed out the somewhat hypocritical stance that Picard had taken, who, as we now know, as you will now know, Matt, was Locutus of Borg. Now, what you perhaps won't realise is that during his short tenure as Luke Locutus of Borg, he managed to kill tens, if not hundreds of thousands of people being in charge of this Borg shit. So for him to now take the moral high ground with somebody who killed one person, having had a vision locked into her brain so that she couldn't get rid of it and couldn't get shot of it, seems slightly unfair. Maybe that's why he's forgiven her. I don't think he did forgive her, though, did he? He just kind of moved on. (laughs) It was the last episode, a lot of things got left hanging. Yeah, he judged her and then went off for something else. Samuel Gray. All right, who was the most wasted character? Who did we just not get enough of who we should have got more of and it would have actually made the season ten times better if they'd have been in? They could have elaborated on Admiral O a bit more. You know, what her, how bad she is, who is she? She suddenly went from a Federation uniform to Romulan uniform. I was, I felt that was really shallow and not padded out. We still don't even know who she is, do we? No. And we don't really care either. She's kind of turned up, said some of the shittest lines in the last episode and then went home. Yeah, got told to leave by Riker. <laughs> Forcefully, though. If he'd have told me to go, I'd have gone home as well. <laughs> Do anything. When he's supported by like 400 ships, you'd probably would, wouldn't you, really? I, if he'd have been on his own, I'd have still done it. <laughs> One thing you didn't talk about or even mention is you do realise that all of the Romulan ships have cloaking devices. So all they would have needed to have done is cloaked, destroyed the Armada, take over the planet. Boom. Has nobody considered that a plot hole. Can they fight when they're cloaked? I can't remember that. You can in Star Trek 6, and that's obviously in the past, so the answer to that question should be yes. Ooh, um, maybe the... Um, I'm not sure that the cloaking devices are any use anymore, because you've got to remember that Starfleet got a really deep, intrinsic look at all of Romulans and all of their technology when they were having to relocate them during the uh, the planet blow-up thing. Is that, in the, is that in the book, or are you just saying that? I was no, well, they did. I, well, in the book, there, it obviously explains the lengths to which they have to go to help relocate all the Romulans, and to the point where the Tal Shiar were having to cooperate with the Federation in order to achieve these things so it goes without saying that Starfleet well it says in the book on a number of occasions Starfleet like let's bring invite them to this and, and some of the characters I can't remember who it might have even been Gerard who's going well why would you invite the Tal Shiar to Earth surely they're going to try and spy and they're like yeah we want them to spy because we want to give them some information to go back so that we can then analyse what they do in response to what we've told them which book's this Mark? Is it the- yeah it's the brief that I've read, read yeah. Yeah, you should check it out, Ben. It's available now, <laughs> both audio and in book form. And is this an accompanying book for the series? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a prequel. Oh, okay. And you've read this book, have you? I have, yeah. Well, I didn't read. I, I listened to it. Is it like a pop-up book? <laughs> no, I couldn't even manage that. It was just audio. Like pops up in your face. <laughs> yeah, what my point was is the Romulan tab cloaking technology and the Federation already know that the Romulan tab cloaking technology. And, in fact, if you consider the film Nemesis, and the episode in Next Generation Redemption. They already know how to find a cloaked ship using tachyons. It wouldn't matter whether their planet was destroyed or whether they were nomadic. They could still use the f- technology. No, but what I'm saying is that they don't have new ships. These are all old ships because they don't... Yeah, they all have cloaking devices. They yeah, I know, I know but I think Starfleet now has the solution to be able to find a cloaked Romulan. Well, yeah, they've got technology, but they've had technology since whatever Stardate Nemesis was and before whatever Stardate Redemption was, which was a season five Next Generation 
generation. They've had the technology to find a cloaked Romulan warbird since that period. Those two are mutually exclusive to one another. It's got nothing to do with their state of current affairs. I thought they invoked the treaty, whatever it was, and that's why they decided to go off because they didn't want to start a war with a federation and all that. Yeah, Ben, you're absolutely right. Episode 10 is where we mention the Treaty of Algron, which most notably for fans will be the notification that Federation cannot replicate or research cloaking technology and only in special circumstances, most notably the Dominion War, can they use it with supervised provisions. But section one of the Treaty of Algron states that during a time of war, any of the commanders on the battlefield who make reference to this treaty immediately stops any fighting, hence what you're referring to with Riker. But you'll also remember from the episode Pegasus on The Next Generation where somebody had began to try and mess around with cloaking technology and ended up passing through an asteroid if memory serves and ended up materialising inside the asteroid and I think it was in a birth class ship. Now to any avid fans of Star Trek will most probably have the Star Trek Encyclopedia amongst other reference books to provide factual input to these types of questions. A little side note that the technology exchange between Klingons and Romulans before they fell out again was that the ship design would be passed to the Romulans and the Romulans would use cloaking technology and that was the agreement. Chual information. I hear your evidence. I and take your arguments. I dismiss them all as wrong and I stand by my original your statement. Opinion. Your opinion. <laughs> I can't believe... 50% of this conversation is is filled with solicitors. <laughs> and yet and yet all I'm getting is hearsay, conjecture and supposition. <laughs> Rubbish, isn't it? <laughs> Do not ever defend me in any case at all. Like, I don't think he did it, my lord, because my opinion is he did something else, my lord. Well, what about the shit, Vange, Matt? I mean... <laughs> w- w- <laughs> <laughs> coming to you um, were, were they just like a complete waste of time I mean did, did we even figure out what the point of them was well my question was uh, I had two questions when, when they were in that standoff with Jean-Luc Picard obviously they started firing at all those invisible ships are those things that they fired like beams of light do they ha- just carry on travelling are they going to just hit someone randomly far off in the galaxy while they're shopping I'd like to see that as the start of an episode <laughs> just a random <laughs> kill someone spark some sort of war but then also if they are some sort of religious sets like and then they get into the, the point that they've been working for thousands of millennia to get to and then they find out that it's like not going to happen do they go back to being themselves is that the end of the shat badge should they still go back to like praying and stuff I just too many questions well, the obviously, what happened to the shat badge that's what I remember well they obviously still exist because they've all done a runner it seems like a really lame ass way I mean if they were so determined to follow through on what they felt they needed to do if they were as dedicated and in completing the mission, you'd have probably f- at least tried to fire a couple of shots and then done a runner. They seemed to go, oh, oh, I'm scared. Yeah, she's like loaded those guns like five times. If like if that was me, I'd have just been firing anyway. <laughs> ben? How many shot badge are there? I mean, because obviously we saw a load hold onto the donor, but 90% of them seemed to cop it. They couldn't handle the visions. One got assimilated by the board, where Auntie Freed or whatever her name was. Nerissa was fine. Captain Admiral O was fine. I mean, how many others are there? Or is that it? Well, there seem to be a lot because there were loads of ships, but that's a perfect that's got to be a valid point, hasn't it, Latham? That, that where did all these Shatvaj come from? Bearing in mind, nobody knew they existed. Well, let's get this, break this down, people. The ships that are in the Armada are Romulan ships. Mm. They're manned by Romulan personnel, right? Not every person on those ships is Shatvaj. Shatvaj is the equivalent of you being a member of the uh, Conservative Party. 
and you can still crack on and do your job. Yeah, but if the, conserv- if the Conservative Party went, right, come on, we're all going to war, everyone follow me, you don't all just follow it, do you? That, that, that's no, but the... you, wouldn't, you, would have a, you would have a leader, which is Commodoro, and she's commanding the Armada, which is made up of Romulans, who are just foot soldiers. They're not all essentially stormtroopers, for want for a better comparison. They're all running their ships, the same as everybody on the Starfleet side with Riker, aren't all captains. They're all members of Starfleet with captains of the ships. So you'll have the, the military aspect of the Romulans, which is what they are. If you look at the hierarchical structure of the Romulan Star Empire, they went through a military build rather than an eco-social build. So most of theirs are high weapons, military, or technology in that respect. So all of those people will just be members of the Romulan Star Empire military. And when you have the, the highest ranking officer who is a offshoot of the Telshar, the Shat Vaj, and even the Telshar aren't even aware of who's Shat Vaj. There's probably lots of them as there are lots sprawled across the universe, I suspect. But not every but not every Telshar is a Shat Vaj. And not every Shat Vaj is Telshar. I know, but they all went to the party, didn't they, to fight, which is yeah. kind of the but question they, Ben's raising, and I agree. But I don't think well you might do, but I'm saying to you that they might they didn't all go, did they? What you had is how many ships were there? Two hundred ships? There was a lot of ships for was what a is a secret so, organization that nobody had heard of. Well actually I think what Ben said, to be accurate, was he went through all the people who died and are there any left? Uh then you proposed that all the ships that were there were in fact Shatvaj and I'm merely stating that there's a possibility that actually Commodore O is the only Shatvaj in that armada and all the people that are there are just Romulan military personnel the Telshiar or the secret police that hide like the CIA and the NSA and are all different departments that not really know that are operating but possibly uh, an opportunity for listeners to make their points and see what they think till we're presented with any other evidence it's clear to me that there are Shatvaj around but my point is I didn't think from a strategic tactical point of view would you take every single member of the Shatvaj to a fight and I personally wouldn't I would just use stormtroopers and red shirts to facilitate a war um, I thought Naris and Zaban were really wasted opportunities I thought they particularly Naris was a fab character for the first two or three episodes and then he left Earth and buggered off. Now I assume we're going to come across them both in season two because I don't know, why would you not? But it does seem a shame that they're not part of the crew because having two Romulans in and amongst that motley crew to begin with is probably a really a really cool thing. <laughs> Ben's children are killing each other. <laughs> I think those, and I thought Seven as well, I thought she was utterly wasted, which I suppose is slightly controversial in comparison to what, what you're saying, Mark, about him being your favourite character, because I actually thought she was poorly used. She turned up randomly now and again, and then after she did turn up, they used her for about 30 seconds and then jibbed her off again in a really rubbish manner. Yeah, but don't forget, I always look at these things with big picture thinking rather than just snippets of information, because I've heard rumour that there's going to be a seven of nine spin-off show and maybe with that knowledge and foresight the writers have purposely not made her a mainstream character and, and you know because the show's called Picard it makes perfect sense obviously the byproduct of that is we get frustrated as viewers but then if there is going to be a spin-off show then they will have rightly kept hold of the good story plots for that show and we may find that seven of nine just dips into Picard and depending if they're going to do a shared uh, universe with the new shows coming through which is something they didn't really do 
they just kind of passed the uh, the baton from one show to another with the final episode or the, should I say the beginning episode of the new series of, uh, of Star Trek it could well be now as we're moving into a different dynamic of television that we will have a shared Star Trek universe TV show and characters will pop up pop up in Discovery or the Section 31 or the Captain Pike spin-off you, you don't know and just to put the record straight one of the things that came up in the season of Picard was the Romulans that had been assimilated by the Borg and everyone was saying oh it's the first time we've ever seen a group of Romulans assimilated by the Borg however that isn't actually true because in the episode of Voyager Eye of the Needle you actually do see a Romulan who was Borg and is now back to being post-Borged okay what about the star of the show then Captain slash Admiral now retired Jean-Luc Picard how did we feel he held up throughout this season because uh, he definitely goes on a bit of a, a character roller coaster, or certainly in my opinion he does did we think they did it well because I think they, they obviously wanted to lead us into that false sense of we were coming across the captain as was and then gradually over the course of a number of episodes showed us he was quite a mean, miserable old motherfucker only to then have him redeem himself to become the person that we loved originally. Did it work, Ben? Yeah, for, for me it did. I don't know how else they could have done it really. Yeah, he's he's still pretty nimble, isn't he? On his feet and his height, what they did with his character. My only concern is that going forwards, he's only going to get older, isn't he? He's going to get less and less able to move around and he's already a bit, bit shaky. Now, how old is he? He's so, nearly 18, yeah. He's, he's yeah, so thick he, end of his 70s. Gets COVID, he's screwed, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I liked it, yeah. Did we need that roller coaster that he went on? Would we have enjoyed this series less had it just been the Captain Picard from the next gen all the way through the season? I think it was necessary. It needed to explain who he was now. He's been missing for so long. Why has he been missing for so long? Uh, where is he at? It's called Picard. It's got to be a study of his character. Yeah, I think they handled it very well because it led us into a false sense of security in that we were unhappy with how he was being. But they also went back into his story of of his illnesses and things and, and his history that we'd already become aware of through the seven series of Next Generation developed on those and because you know him you've got that affinity to him you then went oh hang on a minute this isn't the Picard I know and then they very quickly do a, a 90 degree turn and the back to being the Picard that we have and we've addressed his illness which was a decent payoff I think I wouldn't have bought into it as much if they did something where they went oh no he's going to live forever now because it's not you just basically Picard's memories in a synthetic body which is a bit of a easy fixed to something and as you're right he's 79 years old there's less days ahead of him than there are behind so you've got to be mindful of the fact that as you rightly say Ben if, if he gets COVID-20 next year you he, know, he, um, he's gone he, I mean it weirds me out slightly that he's now in a synthetic body because it doesn't feel like he is Picard anymore he's like Robocop which as a concept always weirded me out anyway Matt what did you think of Jean-Luc because this is the first time you came across him wasn't it yeah um, I liked him as a character I liked the ups and the downs it just reminded you that he is human especially in a space program when there's aliens flying about it's nice to, to that they have that human element to it um i thought he got a bit wishy-washy with his um trying to show the children how it's done sort of thing at the end so i thought that was a bit but then again that's what old people are like sometimes they get a bit nostalgic and sentimental don't they and grumpy as well so as i always say pensioner he is a pensioner in space so they, 
they made him more of a grumpy old man and then really nice and happy. He's like the, the Werther's granddad at some points, wasn't he? But yeah, without no, the Werther's originals. Without them, yeah. I, I really enjoyed him um, and I thought it was a nice introduction for someone who's not got any of the, the back knowledge. His best moments were when he was interacting with some of the next-gen characters who were coming back. They definitely, you could still see that there was that relationship from when they'd produced the, the series originally, couldn't you, them? Yeah, I thought they were really good moments where we got to see they didn't have to do any of that they didn't need to bring any of the old characters back something Ben alluded to earlier is that there was a, a draw to that when they show you the trailers and you see all of the people that you've built up a, a relationship visually over the time of next generation which is always going to be a clickbait isn't it it's always going to go oh yes please I'll have more of Marina Sirtis or uh, Jonathan Frakes I'll have a bit of that please however I think that's what uh, Jonathan Frakes says every time someone puts some food in front of him now I'll <laughs> like, oh, have a pizza make mine a double but I do think that we have to be careful as we move into season two that we don't keep bringing back the legacy characters, the you know, the good old classics that you know are going to guarantee viewers to tune in and watch and you know improve your viewing figures. We need season two to stand on its own two feet now. As Ben rightly said, it's nice to have those characters in to see how they help develop Picard's story. But now we've covered that, it'd be really impressive to see if season two can stand on its own two feet without really living in the past glories too much. I always remember that time we went to that Star Trek convention a few years ago. Yeah. And we wanted to get everyone's signature on pieces of paper where they were like 20 years old. You know, like Tasha Yar in season one, I think she was about 29. Oh, did you, you see know. the post by that actually? On Twitter, it was Maria Sirtis's birthday during the lockdown period. The next gen cast all did a, a Zoom meeting and Wes Crusher, whatever his, I can't remember his name, he did a screenshot, all of the people, the actors and the Zoom screen only for uh, Natasha Yar's character. I can't remember her name. Denise Crosby. Denise, Denise, Denise Crosby to Twitter going, uh, yeah, you seem to have forgotten my invite to that party. Because <laughs> they're going, here's all the next-gen uh, crew uh, having a good time and keeping Maria Sirtis's uh, spirits up during her birthday. Yeah, hashtag Team Next Gen. And she's like, uh, yeah, okay, um, you seem to have forgotten my <laughs> to send me the link. She wasn't happy. And I, I can only assume there is a little bit of bad blood between her and the rest of the gang for them to have ignored her quite so obviously well, I think there's a bit of bad blood because she said in an interview that they may as well have just put a pair of false legs behind Captain Picard's head because if you look at the, the shows where she's on the bridge that's mostly what you see if, interestingly enough she wrote the character for her to come back in the Enterprise C well I would episode. do as well if, if, if I was looking for another paycheck I'd write myself a character into any series well, it was, it was I'm thinking of write one for friends <laughs> send suggestions in a million pound an episode I can find something well, for me to do Originally, the only plan was for her to appear on the bridge of the Enterprise C in Yesterday's Enterprise, but she came up with the idea of having some sort of time paradox where there was an offspring that ended up being Romulan called Sela, and that was a character that she came up with, and as such... I think got a couple of extra episodes, which, yeah, as you rightly say, would have been a couple of paychecks. But just because you come up with an idea doesn't mean it's going to get past production. Yeah. How many more seasons of... Because the next question I was going to ask is for some season two predictions on where we think the storyline's heading. Of course, we do have to bear in mind, as you've already said, that Patrick Stewart's cracking on for 80. And the reality is there's only so much longer he's going to be able to do this, either physically in terms of his health or because he's no longer with us and as a 
fellow Yorkshireman and quite frankly a god god forbid that day come but it is going to happen at some point so do we think they've already identified how many more seasons they're actually realistically going to do for this series do you think season two is going to be it and they've already decided they're going to can him or are they going to just keep flogging him <laughs> until he's too old to be able to do anything anymore they'll just rotoscope his face into all the footage and he'll be going for years in fact he'll have died 10 years earlier and nobody will be any the wiser and because as I had to do with Warner Brothers Paramount Stroke CBS own the rights to his digital image and so they can use that however they want without any legal consequences what predictions do we have for season two what what do we think in season one that has been left hanging flailing whatever you want to call it from season one and, and do we want to throw in some curveball suggestions do we want to throw a hail mary to see whether we can guess what's going to happen go on matt i think uh, they're going to bring hugh back <laughs> is that it is that is that, that the full extent it. of your prediction that, that's it no what i want i want to see klingons i don't particularly know who they are most of the time um bring them on introduce them to me <laughs> you, do realize a... you can watch voyager next generation <laughs> i series. know I why know. don't you just do that my friend and they'll be introduced to you imminently well i, I shall do it and then and the next season when we're podcasting i'll know all about it <laughs> you'll be next well matt seeing as we're going to be locked down till probably august september because everybody keeps going out to sunbathe in this lovely weather you have adequate time to watch the entirety of every single show made and film which I think you'll find an abundance of Klingons. They're all on Netflix, you know. You can get them all on Netflix, yeah, they're all there. Actually, Matt, you'll be glad to know that the original series of Star Trek has been updated. The audio is now Dolby Surround. They've made the format HD, and also they've improved um, some of the visual effects to update them to our time, so they don't look very 60s. So you'll probably benefit from that. Jib off the original series. It's uh, No. Yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> How can you call yourself a Star Trek fan and go, eh, don't look at that one, it's, Your Honour? It's a bit dated in every way. I mean, I know Next Gen is to a degree, but I don't know, maybe it's just because I grew up with Next Gen, it gets an extra a little bit of breathing space I couldn't be bothered to watch the original series what's that what's the question again remind me <laughs> um, predictions for season 2 predictions for season 2 now I've been thinking about this now there's a couple of things I want to see I don't know if they'll do I want to see Q I want to see the Q continuum come into play and I thought it was going to happen at some point this season as fans that's what we want I'd like to see some reference or lore come back at some point because I think you know we've dealt with data a lot um, Noonien and whatnot. so lore could make a nice appearance Fat law. Um, fat law, yeah. What else? Yeah, so I think you guys mentioned it, but obviously it looked like Discovery-esque tech coming through that portal at the end that was being summoned by the, uh, the Jenga Tower. Yeah, Control. Now, I don't know enough about the rights and who owns what now, but could there be crossovers between the two? But, and I say that, I don't really want that because I don't want another series which is just about humans versus AI and tech. You know, Picard needs to do something different. That's what Discovery's for. Let Discovery deal with that. Yeah, I'd like to see the ball come back because, yeah, who doesn't like the ball? More Borg, please. Well, I'm sure. Have they not announced that Q's going to be in season two? Well, it's been rumoured. I think it's yeah, been yeah. rumoured that he might I be in there. That episode eight. I think when when you were on, I mentioned that Q was coming back. Uh, For Matt's benefit, Law is uh, Data's brother, who right, is he, basically identical to Data, except <laughs> he's evil. Uh, right, he's evil twin. So, in order for him to be back, Brett Spiner will have to get on the treadmill again. 
<laughs> fat evil twin. <laughs> yeah, fat evil twin. Guinan's obviously coming back in season two, isn't she? So that'd yeah, be yeah. quite. Jordy, is Jordy coming back? Is he? Yeah. 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 Rumor about Jordy. Yeah, jo- that's you just say names now. Jordy's cool. He must have been one of the few people from the next gen crew who didn't get a, a show. And Beverly Crusher, she didn't get in, did she? The mm. doctor. She's running dance school now, so she's too busy doing tap. <laughs> What about you, Leather? What do you reckon is going to happen? Sadly, Ben, we won't be having fat data. Shortly after we did our episode 10 podcast, Brent Spiner actually went on record to say that he had made the decision that this would be his last outing, having had his last outing in Nemesis, where he specifically requested that his character be killed off, simply because he knew that he wouldn't be able to maintain the look of data as it had been in, in the Next Generation series. So this was essentially a swan song, which gave him a better farewell to Picard. And well, as we covered in the episode at the was a really nice send-off. Again, he, he comes back on the provisor, he gets paid a big wad of money and then gets killed again. <laughs> Do I believe that there's value in my theory that I gave last episode with regards to the glimpse of the technology looking similar to the proto-Borg or, in fact, the probe that was sent into the future by Discovery that will become control in the future that Section 31 uses for their information gathering? I do believe that could be possible. Don't forget where we are in the current status quo of TV shows. We've got Season 3 of Star Trek Discovery, which is going to be set in the future, and I have a feeling that this will quite nicely tie into Season 2 Picard, where there could well be a crossover. We'll have to wait and see. And as I said earlier, on in the podcast you know you've also got to consider the fact that you've got the section 31 spin-off coming in i think spring 21 you've got the spin-off that's been announced for seven of nine we have i know we've got the pike spin-off that's been announced but you've got all of this connective tissue going in in season two q in season two section 31 link into control you've got this cephalopod that appears in season two of Discovery but also apparently appears in Picard. All of these things have been nicely laid out for us and obviously we haven't seen where this is going to go but I think it's been set up on purpose for us to just naively walk past it and not consider it and also noting that this particular show has been set up in a way that can bring the old fans and interest new fans without having to be too academic in its approach and so people will probably pick up the nuances through having been a fan of next generation and other shows what it might encourage people to do is to go back to the core text and in fact look back at the shows and go oh yeah i remember that where they hadn't before because it was in the 80s and the 90s i think we just need to watch this space but I hope, I know, as as Ben said, I'd like the Borg to be back in because, as he said, everyone likes the Borg. Sadly, I don't think we're going to see Hugh again. I think he was just a really good character to bring back and drive Picard's story forward with the connective tissue, as I mentioned, to Picard's story within the Borg context. A fan favourite, but do I see him coming back? Possibly as a flashback, but is that a value of his character? I don't know, we'll see. He's not loved enough, is he, really? I think the command theory is a fascinating one. In Discovery, I think it's Burnham's mum says that there is no Starfleet, there's no United Federation of Planets in the future where they end up at the end of Season 2. On the basis that what came out of the big gaping hole... (laughs) at the end was pretty much the spit of the despot command robot-y thing that we saw in Discovery. Do we think season two might be the start of a war between the command who start to exert influence in this timeline in order for it to end up where 
discovery finds and picks up the baton so that actually from this point on we're playing catch up with what discovery is going to tell us all about in season three i think the cliffhanger of season three discovery will tie into picard season two yeah we haven't seen the end of the shit vag i don't think because they just were allowed to go off i don't think they're going to play a huge part but i think they're gonna they're gonna play some part in the future or in some capacity i think the borg the xb thing where the world seems to look at former borg people pretty lowly I think that's going to be something it feels like there's going to be a, a mini revolution at the hands of Seven of Nine maybe that's the spin-off more the spin-off show where that starts to creep in into the things. The XBs are going to have a farmer's market on the planet. Yeah, maybe. To answer the question that Ben raised was who owns the rights to these shows? Well, actually, it's CBS Paramount who own all of Star Trek. So I think it's fair to say that CBS have probably approached the streaming services and said, what are you prepared to pay for the license to show these on your streaming services cbs online already show all the shows and so for them they're probably going to make a bit of money and then essentially terrestrial tv will probably get it in a couple of years time once it's been around the story has to be very picard centric doesn't it otherwise you kind of lose that whole purpose of it being the statue picard show when we're talking about command and we're talking about the i mean the xbs and the the borg link certainly has a stronger relevance to picard because of him having previously been one the command thing's a bit more tenuous isn't it that's more of a, a universal threat but in order for picard to be involved in trying to put to bed a threat to all of the universe uh, one assumes starfleet's probably better placed than a tiny little spaceship with uh, five or six little ragamuffins on there who were just doing their thing i think it would be slightly ridiculous if picard single-handedly with four other five other people was saving the universe from everything so i get a crossover episode yeah I, I mean it might be a crossover episode i'm, I'm not sure the command th- I think it would be interesting to see that those two things tie in I've got a sneaking suspicion that Discovery will nip the command issue in the bud in season three and possibly even reverse time commanders got to grips with it in the future and they're going to wonder as Star Trek often does when it doesn't like something or it heads down a bleak future it kind of unpicks it all and rewinds Matt you wanted to say something yeah um, isn't Discovery back in time isn't it compared to Picard is that right it was nine years before it, Picard. Was, it was. It was, but at the end of season two, they jump forward in time, so they're now ahead of right. Picard. Uh, okay. What would be nice, you know how um, but everyone who's watched the original stuff, you've got the different ships and different seasons. What if they just left Discovery after three, and then now we're in Picard's sort of time stream timeline, and they whatever ships they've got there, and they have a, like they just start again and have a whole new season one, season two, season three, just to keep people interested and going. I'd quite like to see that. Well, you're heading into a quagmire there because, of course, Discovery is a ship, a cat perspective has never seemed to have existed um, right. <laughs> the, techno- the, te- the technology that was on the Discovery is a technology that has never been canon in Star Trek so when it first came out pretty much anyone who's ever watched Star Trek was going hang on a minute where did this uh, this magic little um, mushroom spory thing come into things they obviously addressed that at the end of season 2 where they were like let's not talk about this it never existed <laughs> wink wink nudge nudge which was a really ham fisted way of trying to sidestep that booby trap it's a bit strange really that you've now got this ship that's in the future but actually according to records never existed in the past 
Also, you need to include the short tracks, which shows that the discovery never existed at all and is hidden in a nebula somewhere in far, far distant future. Yeah, they, they abandon it, don't they? Yeah, yeah, I've forgotten about that. It's a good mm. show. And, and, and that's all canon. You need to be including that, really. And also the short tracks that we haven't seen, which is frustrating. So come on, CBS, let's get them on Netflix or wherever. Yeah, uh, the, the Picard ones. Do we know how many sort of short tracks for Picard there were? For Picard, there was just the one prequel which was children of mars however in total there are 10 short treks and obviously the one i've just mentioned is one of those 10 the others link to i'm suspecting season one and two of star trek discovery now some of these as mark just mentioned are on netflix but again because some of the shows are on amazon they're not available however there is a trailer for the children of mars on youtube open platform nobody's going to go to prison for that the children of mars prequel though is similar to the book that you mentioned i'm sure you mentioned the book yeah yeah <laughs> well that's really annoying isn't it why, why would you do yeah. it and only release it in america oh just fist in the sky we man. provided the mm. star of the show let's show some fucking respect people half of that crew bloody british Absolutely. I want to clarify that the Shatvaj is an ideology, not a people. Well, that's what. Well, yeah, but that's where the question that Ben posed, which I agree with, was if people don't share the ideology of the Shatvaj, then why are they all following the Shatvaj to go and blow a planet full of people? Well, not, are they the, the, the soldiers who are following the instructions of the Romulan Star Empire? You're confusing the two. Yeah, but they're following Commodore O. Who's the only Shatvaj in the entirety? All those ships are not Shatvaj. Yeah, but she wasn't. She, she was a Commodore at Starfleet, so far as they're aware, aren't they? Well, yeah, she's infiltrated. Someone who follows a Shatvaj philosophy has been trained in Shatvaj badgeredness. Is Telshiar has infiltrated at a high level throughout history, like the um, Russians did in the 80s and the 60s and 70s. Infiltrated, trained people to be American. No different to that. She's got through the ranks. And then when it comes to the crunch and they go, let's invade this planet, she rings up the Romulan Star Empire military section and says, can you get all your ships, please? And they go, who, do you, who are you going to follow me? Because I'm head of Telshiar. Okay, cool. They're not all Telshiar. They are Romulan ships. Not every one of those people on there is Shatvaj or Telshiar. Can I say, Joe, my rubbish rewatch, my rather short, brief rewatch, uh, I'd forgotten how many times in episode two Naris and Saban mentioned the word Shitvaj in under 30 seconds to ingrain it in our memory that this is to make us feel like this is something we should have known about and have always known, have always known about and must accept implicitly with no questions asked, which of course is not the word. <laughs> we've changed it now as far as we're concerned that is what it is um, what do we think then let's go around the virtual room and uh, I want everyone to give a quick summary of where they think this season ranks firstly in terms of other Trek series and then just their general thoughts of it and then give it a mark out of 10 we'll start with you Ben I really liked it I'm going to give it a bit of benefit of the doubt I kind of feel the same way after I saw the first season of DS9 um, which then got better and better I'm going to give it well missed I gave it 8 out of 10 at the start and we'll give it 8 out of 10 now it's still an 8 out of 10 I think it's going to go better places I just don't know how infinite it can be because of Picard's age how do you think it compares as a first season in comparison to other Trek shows and I'd include Discovery there because Discovery has kind of changed it to a more modern approach to television it was good I mean you look, look at the original series Next Gen versus DS9 Enterprise they're all a bit average I think the first season they've got to settle into it, haven't you it's the same yeah, I think it's a strong first season okay. I enjoyed it more than I enjoyed the first season of Discovery okay 
Okay. And was that because you were familiar with the characters or do you just think it was better? I think it was better. Less Michael Burnham. Um, (laughs) Yeah, it's good. And Matt, what about your thoughts? I preferred Discoveries Season 1 to this one, but I preferred Discovery Season 2 out of all three, if that makes sense. Oh, okay. I I I think there was a lot of, um, what's that word that we said before? Nostalgia. Nostalgia. Yeah, there was a a little bit too much of that. If they'd sprinkled a little bit less in, then I could have got more involved with these characters as new characters even the old ones as new characters they were just flashing the pan a lot at the time weren't they like this character gone now data is here it's gone whereas with discovery they're there and you get to learn who they are so maybe that's why i feel more comfortable with discovery than this but i would put it somewhere in the middle of like one and two of discovery okay so what would you give you out of 10 then yeah an eight yeah i really want to see more that's what I, it's that's why you're an eight is because um, i'm excited about it i want to watch more i want to get more into it what would you have given and then for season one and season two of Discovery out of ten, just so we've got a comparison. Nine for one, ten for two. Yeah. Wow. I really I really liked ten, especially um what's the doctor, the alien guy with the Oh Saru. Neck. Saru, I just loved I loved him and all of his weirdness. Yeah. He's funky gangular. <laughs> He's swollen ganglia. Yeah. (laughs) What about you, Latham? Where do you stand on this? I think it's really interesting to listen to the comments made, really, from different people. It's interesting that the new seasons of Star Trek are generational, and so you've got your Discovery and Picard, and each one is told in a different time to how Next Generation was. Star Trek Discovery is more, in my opinion, woke, and the subject matter leans toward wokest agendas, whereas the Next Generation, they weren't forcing you what to think. They provided you a dilemma. And as a, a grown ass man with probably more than a couple of chromosomes, you were able to formulate an opinion based on what you were presented and come to a rational decision on what you would do given the predicament of being a captain of a starship. Because we're now in a woke society, you're told what to think. But the sad thing with that is if you're going to present a issue, to be part of the solution, you have to have enough people and enough time to discuss it properly. You can't just throw it in and tick the box and go, okay, we've done that one now. All those people are going to be happy. We can move on to the next thing oh okay equality right let's tick the box on that problem with that is you're not giving it enough respect as I said earlier on, you need to have a bigger conversation. Can't just be shoehorned in to appease a group of individuals. And if you don't agree with these opinions and you're disapproved of, you are immediately classified with having a pathology and cast aside, which is quite ironic because then that's not equality either, is it? You have to be very careful when talking about these matters that you give enough airtime to discuss them properly and engage and then upset somebody else down the road. We're going to appease all the marked identity groups. Not going to happen. And even within the marked identity groups under social science parameters even within those marked identity groups you will have infighting so there's never ever going to be a happy balance to what you present sadly when you just pander it's hypocritical for example it's the equivalent of everybody standing out outside at eight o'clock on a thursday night clapping for all the frontline workers are they going to be doing this after covid 19's finished no they're not they're going to go back to the normal lives and in a couple of years time they'll have forgotten this has all happened and they'll return to self-cherishing them and theirs are not interested in anybody else until the next national crisis where the government will need us all to be conforming again and then we'll see all of this where everyone joins hands and sings come by our so therefore if you're not going to continue the conversation or continue the stuff don't bother doing it and that's the reason where i think tonally discovery 
is massively different to how Picard has been presented. You know, the three of us, apart from Matt, are all from the Next Generation era and can appreciate how Picard sits into a nice setting of continuing his story and developing him as a character along the way, bringing in cast members and characters that we knew and grew up with during the 80s and Next Generation. So there's a nostalgic approach that both Ben and Mark have mentioned, but at the same time, you know, allowing Matt to appreciate it as well, which I think he would agree is more up the street of, of Matt's generation. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I'd also agree with Ben. I think each new series struggles in its first season. It's trying to find its own thing. It's trying to find a footing in the fan base. Picard has done a really good job so far. If I was going to give it a mark, I would probably give Picard season one eight out of ten. Discovery season one, I'd give that probably a six and I'd give season two a seven, mostly because some of the episodes I felt my eyes roll into the back of my head. Hopefully a full and rounded explanation. I'm going to give this a seven as a series. I think if you cut, if I cut out the nostalgic bits that they threw in there, which would have probably given it an eight, if I'm being quite clinical about how I'll rate this show, if I cut out the, the little fanboy moments with Will Riker and all the callbacks data that those kind of if I took those out and just look at it as a, a TV series I think it's weaker than Discovery Discovery was Star Trek it was Starfleet there was ships in space uniforms technology fighting wars doing stuff this wasn't Star Trek as in it, it was about a Star Trek character who used to be in Starfleet there wasn't a huge amount of space there was an occasional bit there was an occasional ship I thought there was lots of storylines that were half-assed there was characters brought in and they weren't properly filled out so Seven was brought in when they needed to bridge a couple of storylines and then discarded as quickly as she'd been brought in. Uh, They happened to come across her at just the right time to solve just the right problem and there was too much of that for me and I thought that was weak writing and I think that largely stems to the fact they were trying to cram it all into 10 episodes and I don't think they needed to. They could have made this 15 episodes and I think it'd have been a billion times better. I'm going to actually say I enjoyed it. It was great. I did thoroughly enjoy it and as I say I'd probably give it an 8 out of 10 if I was adding in all the all the callbacks to the stuff that I love but if I take out those parts of it and actually look at it as a, a TV series and certainly if you're going to compare it to the likes of Discovery or even Ozark you know you're looking at programs like that that are coming out at the same time and you're thinking is Ozark a better written show is Better Call Saul is Game of Thrones a better, better written show than, than Star Trek Picard I've, I've got to say it falls lower down on that list of of shows even though it gets extra marks because it is what it is i think it's easier to write for a show that's based in fact than it is to write for a show that's based in fiction on the back of existing canon yeah um, yeah it's opinions are like assholes we've all got one haven't we so yours is massive <laughs> no but i'm agreeing with your opinion i'm saying ozark to watch because having just binged that i watched that in two days is it good yeah it's oh, brilliant uh, yeah yeah. Listen, listen yeah. to our uh, a film policy episode, which will be out next week, uh, which will actually cover a, a load of recommendations. Mark and I went through a list of, of some of the, sh- the series you could be binging on while you're locked in your prison cell that is your house. We restricted ourselves to five each and then promptly threw in about another t- 20. <laughs> so there's about 25 series. If you manage to get through all of the things that we've recommended, the chances are you're technically going to have been locked in your house till you're 80. <laughs> 
<laughs> have you watched Dark? No, what's that? What's that on? The German series on Netflix. Fantastic. I think you'll enjoy it. Go and watch is it, it. Is it English subtitles or is it overdubbed? Subtitles. Okay. I don't mind doing subtitles, except you've got to have an attention span for it. I'm usually doing work and stuff on my computer while I'm watching these shows, and so I have to avoid subtitle programs when I'm doing it. Like The War of the Worlds, which is on Now TV at the minute. I've been watching that, but I've been struggling with it a little bit. It's not good enough to justify having my 100% attention, but the problem is 50% of it's in French and subtitles, so when I'm on my computer tapping away, like 50% of the show, I've just got to guess what's happening because I can't understand a bloody word anyone said. Double French of Boulangerie and cul-de-sac and menage a trois and like that's the best French I know Ouai Le Banc no they haven't said that je ne, je ne comprends pas that's yeah. about the je only phrase I know aliens uh, so, our French attempts then can't be any worse than the attempted French accent that uh, Patrick Stewart throws into episode one where quite clearly he's been given some words to read out that he doesn't understand and hasn't quite grasped the concept of a French twang bonjour number one <laughs> je voudrais je voudrais Picard I think we've covered season one thoroughly. Uh, we've given all of our ratings. If you have any thoughts, it's not too late to let us know. You can send us a message at picardtalk at thepodstation.co.uk on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. We're at Picard Talk. Give us a shout, drop us a line, give us your comments, give us your thoughts. Of course, there's going to be a gap now between when season two starts. If people can come up with topics and subjects revolving around Picard, I'm sure we will do some extra shows just to fill in the time so that we can keep our Star Trek needs topped up uh, but you'll have to send us in some thoughts and then we can come up with the shows of course they can listen to another Star Trek show can't they very soon Mr Latham yeah there's a book available um, <laughs> well we could if you if you three bother your ass and get the get the book read we could do a show about the book but I was saying that we've got Disco Fever of course which is due it's to a- launch very shortly uh, Mr Latham will be now spending his locked up hours getting his way through I don't know how many shows have we done on that so far there's about 25 episodes I think to edit too so we've still got to finish off that and then in time for season 3 so we'll definitely be back with this show for doing season 2 of Picard and you can catch us for season 3 of Discovery if you want to do that it's called Disco Fever you can find it on all the same podcast platforms that you can find this show on and you can also check out on the podstation.co.uk thank you very much Ben and Matt for joining us you've been fantastic we've thoroughly enjoyed hearing your thoughts thanks for having us Thank you. Always a pleasure. Thanks, guys. And Mr. Latham, pleasure as always. I think that's us done. Make it so, number one. (laughs) 